Let's get back to the action. I'll just say this where nobody's on the line. And take you in the zone with your host, Brandon Kravitz. Joined now by our illustrious guest, Darren Stoltzfus, the sports director at West 2 News. He joins us every week to break down what we saw over the weekend, key storylines, and everything in between. Darren, the newsman, how are things? <laughs> they are wonderful, Brandon. I will say uh, they'd be a lot worse if I was a Hurricanes or a UCF fan. Oh, man. Tennessee was on a bye week. That's my alma mater. So uh, we, we were all right last weekend. Yeah, we're going to have to fit Mario Cristobal into this segment. That's a good call by you. Uh, I want to start with UCF, though. You famously called UCF a pressure cooker when Gus Malzahn was first hired. <laughs> I'm not sure that anyone has allowed you to forget about that. I know I have not. Uh, and you were you were ridiculed for it by some, saying, UCF, come on, the guy coached at Auburn. Well, who's laughing now, Darren? Because it certainly feels <laughs> like the pressure has been turned up. I would say the pressure's turned up, but it doesn't hurt that Gus Malzahn's agent just happened to find Pete Thamel's number last week and say, hey, by the way, uh, you know, we do have this contract extension and he is getting nearly double the amount he was before. So uh, I have requested from the school uh, just for because I'm a sicko. I want to know what the buyout is or if that changed with the contract extension. But I would do that anyways. That has nothing to do with Kansas or uh, with what happened with Baylor or Kansas State. That's just kind of a uh, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's type of thing that you have to do in local news. But they, you know, that that has not been provided to me yet. So uh, it is what it is, Brandon. It's just, I don't know that this, there, and by no means is Gus Malzahn on the hot seat. We'll put it there. But to get physically dominated like you did against Kansas for the first three quarters of the football game was awful. And the decision-making look, hindsight's twenty twenty. We obviously know with the bye week in Oklahoma waiting, you could have just given John Rice Plumley an extra week to get the knee wrapped or rehabbed. Um, you didn't know he was going to hit get nicked on the third play of the game, but when you're getting paid four million dollars a year, you get ridiculous expectations, and the expectations are you make better decisions than that. And John Rice Plumley is a gamer. We saw him against Tulane last year after he tweaked his legs or his hamstring against uh, USF. We know that he was not healthy all of last year, so maybe that was the thought. Like this guy's still going to be our best chance to win. Uh, but if you saw what he did against Tulane, you had to burn Thomas Castellanos's red shirt, and he still transferred, by the way. And Mikey Keene refused to play, uh, and he transferred, by the way. Quarterback management is a huge deal. And to put Timmy McLean in the situation that they did, to put that offense in the situation they did, I thought it was a disservice. And I, I get that you think John Rice Plumley is your best option, even if he's at 80 90%, which after the game, they, they both seemed bewildered that he was not physically ready to play in this game. But it just, it, it was watching it unfold in real time. It was like, oh, no, what are we doing? I find it really interesting that UCF won't share the buyout information with you. And and it has to be timing related. I don't think they want that story floating out there after a big-time comeback from Baylor and then getting boat raced by Kansas. And then West 2 News point up uh, puts out a story about <laughs> Gus's buyout. I don't think they like the, well, the cadence of that. I will say this. I was told through back channels that UCF did not put the information out there about the extension. This was done, as Terry Mahajer said, after spring ball agreed to in July. This was something that was taken care of, and the timing of this probably could not have gone worse for UCF. You just announced you're getting $90 million in TDT money 
Uh, you just announced, you know, that you're – well, you didn't announce it. You just gave up 29 straight points to lose to Baylor. It's not a great time to say, oh, hey, by the way, new contract, thumbs up. You know, it's just – they didn't want that. I don't think Gus wanted that. But when you're looking like you're by far the lowest paid in the Big 12, your agent then kind of has to say, like, hey, I'm doing my job too and, and take care of that. And I understand that. That's kind of how it is. But oof, just rough week for the Knights. We're talking to Darren Stoltzfus, sports director over at West 2 News. Uh, uh, one more UCF comment, and then we'll move on. I mentioned yesterday that I thought UCF would struggle to win another game this year. I gave them one more. They've got Oklahoma, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Houston to wrap up the season. Given how troubling things look on the football field right now, how many more wins do you give UCF? I think they still have a path to six. I'm not going to write them off yet. Um, now, what happens Saturday the 21st in Norman, Oklahoma, could go a long way in determining that. You know, we talked about Florida-Tennessee kind of being a, a benchmark game for the Gators and what that could mean for the rest of their season. If you lose four straight and you're blown out after your bye week, that's going to be really hard to retain the confidence of your team and the makeup of your team. And I get that this team... You know, Gus has said they have strong leadership. He's not worried about losing the locker room or losing guys' effort. And if you look at the third and fourth quarter, UCF did not quit against Kansas. That's when they actually scored was the third and the fourth quarter. So I think they can still win. West Virginia has kind of been the shocker of the Big 12, so I don't know. That game looks a lot more difficult for homecoming than you expected coming into the season. But Cincinnati hasn't been a world-beating team. Oklahoma State has not looked untouchable. And Houston certainly hasn't looked untouchable. So I haven't won a Big 12, though. Uh, Texas Tech on the road in November, that could be cold. That could be interesting. But those are they're winnable games, I think, after you get past Oklahoma. But if you can somehow pull out a win in Oklahoma, everything changes. You know, this is it's so funny how small the margin is between this season feeling completely different. If you hold on against Baylor, oh, man, we gritted out a win. You know, we're 4-1 and one, going to Kansas. Maybe that game goes differently. Or maybe that game goes the exact same way, but you're 4-2 and two headed into your bye week. It just feels different, and I think the makeup of the locker room, it's not the same as us outside of the program. They don't think like that. You know, After that Baylor game, they were still completely bought in. They said it was even a confidence booster because, in some ways because they were winning so big and they had it in control and all that. I understand that, but, man, you, you hang a fourth straight loss in conference play looking at a team that could be at the top of the Big 12 behind Oklahoma coming to your place. That's tough. Yeah. The fact that anybody said Baylor was a confidence booster is maybe the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm uh, saying that's the spin. That's the spin. It's the same thing with Kansas State. You know, hey, they won the Big 12 last year. Well, Baylor won the Big 12 two years ago, Brandon. Yeah, I get the Kansas State one. I'm with you on Kansas State. <laughs> Don't give me Baylor. I, I can hear you out on Kansas State. That was a road game, first game in the Big 12. Not my words. I'm, I know, no, I'm not picking on you. I'm just picking on the situation. Let's move on to Florida State. They took care of business over the weekend. 22-point win over Virginia Tech. They slide up four spots in the AP Top 25. Do you think they're a lock for a top four spot if they run the table, and maybe more importantly, are they a lock for a top-four spot if they drop one game this year? If they run the table, they're in. That's that's for certain. I would be absolutely stunned if a 13-0 Florida State team with two SEC wins and a perfect ACC record is left out. But it does get interesting if they lose one, doesn't it? Uh, I think they could probably still get in depending on what else happens. This season has felt so chaotic. Even their climb 
up to the top four felt like, okay, it's because of other things happening, Texas falling. Um, but when you look at the rest of the country, it, there hasn't been a dominant team. Florida State, though, I mean, I like to say playing with your food. That's exactly what they did with Virginia Tech. They let them back in that game before putting them, you know, under the field. But Georgia woke up. Certainly if Georgia plays the way they have, they're they're by far the number one team. Maybe Michigan you could make a claim for, but I still think we have a lot of football left to play. I think Florida State's got as good a chance as any of those top four, five, six teams right now, and they own their own destiny, that's for sure. And quite frankly, I think they're probably good in every in the right way. So it's interesting looking at LSU, what they did against Missouri. How does Florida State stack up because they haven't played, you know, an elite team yet? We thought LSU was that elite team. We thought that was kind of the benchmark and certainly doesn't seem to be that way. Could Duke be the toughest test? Because it certainly isn't going to be Miami after what we saw. And I still don't think it's Florida. Um, It could be Duke in two weeks. Yeah, I think Florida State's schedule is good enough to get them there. Definitely if they run the table, I guess. The more important question is, can they get there with a loss? I, I'm obs- I'm probably obsessing over this a little too early, Darren, but there are a lot of good teams from a lot of different conferences. Somebody's going to get left out that makes us drop our jaw at the end of the year. And I think it's definitely not going to be a Big Ten uh, team because Ohio State and Michigan will get theirs. It'll be, An SEC school will get theirs. I think it'll be an ACC team or it'll be a Big 12 team. And and that and and it looks like the Pac-12 is really strong too. So they should be able to kick somebody into that four. So that's where I find myself really locked in on that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think for sure, like Louisville has such a soft schedule in the ACC. Does it help Florida State if they play them in Charlotte? No. Um, and at the end of the year, though, you have to remember, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, they may play twice. You know, they may knock each other out. They yep. they may have a loss to Penn State in there, or maybe maybe. There's so much left to do. Washington and Oregon obviously both can't run the table. USC's in there. I mean, if you're six and zero and you're tenth in the country, that kind of says a lot too. Um, and Arizona arguably should have won that game Saturday. It's just I, I think this is going to be one of those chaotic years, and this is what will make a fourteen playoff fun is because somebody's probably going to get burnt. And if you have twelve teams in right now, do you? Do you even care? I mean, are we having this conversation? That's kind of the unique thing about college football is. The impassioned will no, the Pac-12 is so much better than the ACC. How can you not see that? You know, oh, but Florida State dominated when they played LSU from the SEC. Like, you know, it, it, the arguments off the field are almost as fun as the the drama on it. So I think that's what's going to be great about this year is you do still have that that race to be in the top four. Are you saying that a 12-team playoff that would right now with the current qualifiers include Air Force doesn't intrigue you? Is that what you're telling me? Hey, Air Force would be in the playoff. I, I love. Here's my thing about the group of five. Now I'm going on a tangent. You got me. You got me fired up. Go. I've always loved having group of five representation. I, I wanted a G5 playoff when I moved here, and everybody, you know, wanted to stone me at the gates for that because obviously UCF fans did not want to be relegated, which is exactly what it would be. But I think as long as you're saying, hey, all these teams are at least 133 teams are playing for the same national championship, which we all know is a bunch of crap. They're not actually playing for the same championship. Uh, but there's at least a path now if you have the 12 team and you have the guaranteed spot. You may have a shot, even if you're a Liberty or if you are an Air Force or if you're Wyoming or Fresno State. And I think that's going to be good for college football. Now, how many good games we get in the first round of the playoff when they're matched up against Florida State or Ohio State, I don't know. Uh, but at least give them an opportunity to play it out on the field, especially if you're going to call it a playoff and not an invitational. 
All right, let's uh, let's wrap with a team that is clinging for life to the top twenty-five. That is Mario Cristobal's Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I don't know how you can even defend what he did on Saturday, not having his team kneel the football. Georgia Tech, no timeouts left. You walk away with a win. You're still undefeated. Instead, they fumble. Georgia Tech throws a hail mary, and they end up getting uh, a touchdown that wins them the game. You're a press conference junkie. I'm assuming that you've looked into this. What kind of spin is Miami putting on this? Because I just can't imagine that. Like I would have no words if I'm in Mario Cristobal's position. Well, shout out Christian Leary from Edgewater High School for reeling in that game-winning touchdown. By the way, there you go. Local uh, spin from Alabama. Uh, there we go. Uh, what I respect the most about Mario Cristobal is there was no spin. And he did lay on the sword. And I think his offensive coordinator also laid on his sword and said, hey, that was my fault. I should have made the different call, whatever. Uh, but, again, this goes back to how slim the margin is. The guy's knee – or his elbow was down. Like, it shouldn't have been a fumble. Now, terrible. You can't defend the decision. It was uh, unfathomable. I'm watching screaming at my television at whatever it was, midnight, going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Even I knew, you know, watching on television, half asleep. Um, but the elbow was down. So if you have that and Georgia Tech falls and – you know, it's 2017, whatever, like, you're looking at Miami at 5-0, and and you're like, wow, he's really making a lot of progress. Now he makes one dumb call, and it's like, the wheels are coming off. Fire this guy. It, it, it is hilarious, objectively. Uh, not for Miami fans. But I did say, you know, I watched a lot of angles from the sideline, and I'm not a great lip reader, but I, I thought I saw Mario Cristobal say to his offensive coordinator, why don't you knee it out? And they didn't. So maybe it was his call, or maybe we've seen this in the past. He did it at Oregon against Stanford that came back and bit him. Um, maybe this is just a pride thing. Like, they've been in the victory formation before. I remember at Virginia Tech they went in the victory formation since he's been at Miami. But there haven't been a lot of other times. Like, I mean, but it doesn't matter when you're up 38-3 on Miami, Ohio. You know, it doesn't. But yeah. these are the decisions that matter in the long run. And I think if you're trying to get toughness, we're never going to stop fighting. We're never... That's when you lose the game. you got to still make smart choices and be tough. And I think that's kind of, that was almost their spin. Was he? You know, I, I ran the soundbite last night of you got to have tough-minded people to be a hurricane, tough to be in the building. Uh, but he did at least own up to it and say, "Look, this was my fault." And we, we, at the end of the day, this is on the head coach. We can't do that. And you know, I cost us a win. Yeah, sometimes toughness is code for stupidity, and that is the case here. <laughs> Darren Stoltz, sports Absolutely. director at West Two News. You can find him on Twitter. Really tough guy. Yeah. Oh, he is. Tough guy on Twitter. <laughs> Darren Stoltz was is a tough guy on Twitter. Go and find him. Thanks so much, Darren. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Brandon. More in the zone coming up after this.